All right. Hello, everyone. Once again, um, from my place to yours. And I hope your weekend has been going well. Um, today, I'm going to be following on from some of my thoughts that I shared last week. Uh, don't worry if you missed last week. Um, you can actually get a copy of the recording on uh, at podcast.liberty.family, at podcast.liberty.family, or on Facebook. So, um, But as we go through, there'll be a bit of a recap. We'll cover some stuff we've covered before, only really because it helps us all come onto the same page, the same way of thinking. And ideally, hopefully, we all come away from today with something that we can um, practice in our own lives as believers. And really right there is the challenge for um, for all of us in this life of faith and this journey of faith that we're on, that we should not just settle at salvation, but that we should press on to explore what does it really look like to have this life in Christ. Um, that was the cry of Apostle Paul. You know, in Philippians 3, he writes that uh, he considers all things to be a pile of dung compared to knowing Christ. And Paul's cry was that he would know Christ, the power of Christ's resurrection, the, the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, to be a partaker of uh, the resurrection. And um, Paul's cry was to press hold of, to take hold of all that Christ had taken hold of for him, reaching forward. Um, you know, Apostle Paul considers the entire narrative of Jesus to as being central to his journey. The, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ, all of it being equally important. The cross is not just one moment in the life of Christ that was superseded by the resurrection. It's all important in shaping us as disciples of Jesus. And for Paul, there's a couple of key things we find woven through all his writings, which is one, that Jesus is the full revelation of God, that the image, he is the image of the invisible God, Paul writes. And he did that by wrapping himself in flesh and becoming human. And number two, that our participation in Christ is where we find our identity. We are in the life of Christ. Paul writes in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 5, that there is one God and there is one mediator between God and the human race, Jesus Christ himself human. I love that. Jesus Christ himself, human. See, Jesus is the humanist of humans. He, he demonstrated to us what being human really looks like, how we are to live, how we are to love, the way we are to be people of hope and to practice, be people who practice justice. These are all the things that we inherit or the things that we partake of as we embrace a Christ-based life. Scripture teaches us that we are to identify with the death of Jesus so that we will find our identity in his resurrected life. Uh, to be co-crucified is to be co-resurrected with Jesus. We are co-participators with him. And this challenges us that we as believers are to be a people who have the character and the nature of God, to be a people who have the mind of Christ. And so today, uh, to continue from last week, we're going to 
base uh, the thoughts again around the letter of um, the letter of Philippians. And as I mentioned last week, I'm convinced that you know learning the Word of God needs to be partnered with learning to live this life in Christ. Learning the Word of God needs to be partnered with learning to live this life in Christ. It needs to be outworked in us, not just learnt or known about, but become who we are. So why don't we, just right now as we start this, um, let's get really intentional with engaging with the Holy Spirit. Because He is the greatest teacher. <clears throat> I think many of us, um, uh, because we're kingdom people, we like the idea of the Holy Spirit being with us for power, the idea of healing the sick and raising the dead and prophecy and words and knowledge and gifts. It's all fantastic. We are completely for that. We love participating in all that stuff. It's great. But what I feel we often ignore is that the Holy Spirit also teaches us about Jesus and to help us become people of character to become Christ-like. Gifting as great as it is, is a poor substitute for developing Christ-like character. And we should celebrate the gifts, and we should embrace them, we should practice them, we should, you know, encourage each other to exercise them, but never at the expense of developing character. See, the gifts are freely given. We never earned them. They're freely given to us. But character takes personal action being active in our participation or in this life that we have in Christ. So let's just take a moment just to engage with the Holy Spirit. Why don't you just uh, shut your eyes and just right now be so aware of the Holy Spirit being with you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yeah. Father, we just thank you that you sent your spirit to, to be with us, to be our great teacher, to be our guide. And right now, we just we just take this moment to be really intentional about just acknowledging you, Holy Spirit. We ask that we would grow our relationship with you, that we would, we would hear clearer every day as you speak and minister to us, as you reveal to us more about Jesus, as we co-labor with you to, to walk out the Father's heart on the earth. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are our teacher. And we just give you place in our life, Holy Spirit. Thank you that as you encourage us on this journey, we're being out transformed the 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 good news is being outworked in us and we are becoming Christ-like. And we just thank you. We thank you. Oh, yeah. We give you space. We give you place. Right now, why don't you just ask the Holy Spirit for a, <clears throat> a fresh revelation of how the Father sees you in Christ. That's a great place to start. Amen. A fresh revelation right now.
But... Yeah. Because when we get, when we get hold of that, it completely changes the way we live. Thank you, Holy Spirit, right now. Accepted, loved, valued. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Feel right, right now there's someone with a, a, an issue with their heart where they've been wounded and it's related to a connection with their mother. Right now the Holy Spirit is mending that, that tear in your heart. He's restoring your heart right now. He's restoring your heart right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just bless that person right now with with healthy relationships, restoration, Lord Father, that that wound would heal with no scar, Lord Father. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Wow. <laughs> you could get kind of lost with him. It's great. I would also be here all day. <clears throat> so shall we get into it? We're going to Look again at some of the, um, the same section of scripture that we looked at last week. Um, bit of recapping, like I said, but it's all really important because it's the overall um, arching theme. The overall theme for us is really to consider our participation in Christ and what that looks like as we live this real life in Christ. And so Philippians uh, chapter 4 is where we're going to be. Paul is wrapping up his letter to the church. He's concluding. It's the last chapter in the letter. And he mentions two women by name. And these two women have uh, been having a disagreement. And uh, what's interesting is the church in Philippi actually began with a group of women. Um, a group of women having a prayer meeting. You can read that story in Acts chapter 16. Um, and it's commonly agreed that it's highly likely these two women that Paul are talking, uh, is talking about here were part of the original group of women when the church was founded. And so these two women are women of influence. The, the, the leaders, are, it's likely the leaders in the local church. And so we don't know exactly what's happening, but, but it's obvious that the dispute's well known and public because Paul doesn't go into a lot of detail. Then he continues that they should rejoice in the Lord and let their, their gentle spirits be known by all men. Be anxious for nothing. But pray in every situation, pray with thanksgiving, be active in your prayer life, making your request known to God. And the result being that the, that the peace of God would guard your heart and your mind, that um, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. And Paul says that the things that you've learned and you've received and you've heard and you've seen in me, practice these things. And I love this. And the God of peace will be with you. The two things that I take away from the scripture is how we're supposed to interact with others, you know, and, and how are we to do life through situations. Last week, we looked at the later, how we navigate life situations. And today, I want to focus on how we see and interact with others. When Paul addressed the two ladies who were having the dispute, 
he does something really interesting. Number one, he says very little about the issue. Paul actually only urges the two ladies, go live in harmony with each other. You know, it's like he's reminding them, you guys should already know better than this. And number two, he speaks more to the fellowship of believers than, than he does to the woman. I mean, he, he, he challenges the fellowship of believers to be a help to these women. And then Paul writes very intentionally. He reminds the fellowship something great about those two ladies. You know, he says that these two ladies had shared with his struggle in the cause of the gospel, that they had been part of a group. Fellow workers were Paul, that they had all worked together for a common cause, that they were all part of this thing of moving the good news forward. You know, I feel like Paul was more interested in the mindset than the unresolved issue. That Paul was more interested in the mindset that they had than the unresolved issue. Because who knows that with a healthy mindset, disputes actually get resolved. But if we get caught up in a way of thinking that's unhealthy, it's a lot harder to resolve disputes. And more often, division becomes that rotten fruit. You know, and it makes me think about the beginning part of this letter to Philippi that Paul's writing. And I'm going to read it to you, and I'm going to read from the message translation. So this is Philippians chapter 1, verses 4 to 8 in the message. And he says, you know, every time you cross my mind, I break out an exclamation of, of thanks to God. Each ex exclamation is a, a trigger to prayer. I find myself praying for you with a glad heart. I'm so pleased that you have continued on this with us, believing and proclaiming God's message from the day you heard it right up to the present there has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appeared. It's not at all fanciful for me to think this way about you. My prayers and hopes have deep roots in reality. You have, after all, stuck with me all the way from the time I was thrown in jail, put on trial, and came out of it in one piece. All along, you've experienced with me the most generous help from God. He knows how much I love and miss you these days. And I love this bit. Sometimes I think I feel as strongly about you as Christ does. Wow. That's just crazy, eh? You know, Paul has Paul has history with these people. But what an amazing boast that when he starts to think about them, he just starts to pray for them. And he starts to come to this conclusion that that the way he's feeling when he thinks about them is the same way that Jesus must feel. I don't know about you, but I feel like Paul joined some revelatory dots here that I'm yet still to press into. I mean, I can completely understand. Like, I know that some of you guys, when you think about me, you break out in celebration and prayer and you get really excited and you think, wow, this is how Jesus must feel. 
<laughs> and I know for some of you, you may have um, <laughs> results that vary. But, you know, Paul's a real human being on a, on a journey with God like you and like me. And yet yeah, he caught hold of something. <laughs> you know, personally, I have a small list of people that I can count on one hand. And uh, this list contains no one from Liberty. Um, but this list is basically a short list of people that drive me nuts. I mean, these are the people that that I've encountered over the years that encourage, how can I put it, encourage certain emotions to surface that are not so great. Uh, I'm going to talk more about my list later. But maybe you've got a list of people like that. You know, I can I can count those people on one hand. Maybe your list is bigger. Maybe you need both hands. But approaching this issue and how we relate to others, I want to base it on the idea that it starts with what we think about ourselves and what we think about who who and what Jesus has done and the life that we have in him. You know, if you study the writings of Paul, you quickly discover that Paul was a great steward of thankfulness. He's the champion of it. He was, he was aware of his past. He was mindful of his present, and he was excited about the future. Aware of his past, mindful of the present, excited about his future. And the whole thing is dripping with thankfulness. Because Paul stewarded this way of thinking, he was able to think the same way about other people. You know, he mentions to those in Philippi, in Philippians 1 verse 6, For I'm confident of this very thing that he... Jesus, who has begun this great work in you guys, he's going to perfect it. God has started a great work in them. And Paul knows that what God has done for him and was doing in him and through him was available to others. And I love the hope that Paul has, that, that steadfast belief that God is working in the lives of others. He's excited for what people would discover about God. As they encounter God's love, as they as they learn about Jesus, it, it all matters to Paul that, that, that others would discover what he himself had experienced, what he himself knew of Christ. Because sometimes I think we're so focused on wanting God to move and to work in our own lives, we forget to actually survey those around us and to celebrate what God is actually doing in someone else. When was the last time you stopped and just looked around our church community and started to celebrate the breakthroughs people were experiencing, the testimonies people have shared, the good news of, of God just doing great things in lives? You know, it's important for us to take time to consider that we are part of a community. And each one of us is important. You are important. But we are a body of many members, Scripture says. We are one body with many members. In Philippians, Paul also writes that we are to have this attitude in ourselves, which is Christ Jesus. Paul is actually referring to his earlier comment that we all, all of us, he's writing to Philippi, but I think, you know, we can own this, that all of us should be of the same mind, maintaining the same love, unity and spirit, 
intent on one purpose. He says, do not do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. You see, being part of a community is where we get to learn to practice this type of fellowship. You have to be part of a community to practice it, which means you have to turn up and be part of something. You have to participate. There's a sense of action and responsibility on our own part. And it's the mind... It's the mind that we're called to have as human beings. Human beings that are fully restored in Christ. And that is who we are in Jesus. Fully restored in Christ. And we're just learning to discover what that looks like. The HSCB translation of scripture um, puts Philippians 2.5 this way. It says, make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. You know, this really only takes place when we choose to participate, to explore this life that we have in Christ. And it happens at its best in the midst of being a community of believers. It takes time to practice to develop this in our lives. But, but a community of believers should be a place of grace where and, and safety where we can learn to do this well, as we're all on this journey together. You know, just as I start to wrap up these thoughts for today, I want to encourage you. Actually, I want to challenge you. Practice catching yourself partnering with a thought about someone that is anything less than what Jesus thinks of them. It's about learning to become self-aware of where you place your heart and what you set your mind on. It's learning to become self-aware of the attitudes that we carry. You know, if, I, if you remember earlier, I just mentioned that I had a list of people that I found really annoying. The, the, ones, that, they're the, the ones that drive me nuts. You know, and I've, over the years, I've only added a few people to this list. But in recent times, <clears throat> I've, I've made an effort to be more self-aware of my own attitude and heart when engaging with some of these people. And I'm not perfect at it by a long shot, but I'm making progress. And one person that I can think of who I won't mention, and um, by the way, if you're feeling self-conscious, it's not you, don't worry. But the person I'm thinking about has been a real struggle for me for for a long time and um you know even when i'm just thinking about them now i'm kind of like Ugh. but i i find myself thinking and believing in a negative defensive way whenever i interact with them i actually uh, got to the point where i didn't like the person i became when i was around them I don't know if you've experienced that when you're around certain people and you become a person that you don't like. And, you know, and I shouldn't because truth be told, in that moment for me, I'm having an out of Jesus moment. It's an out of Jesus moment. For me, freedom started to come when I realized that I didn't have to feel this way 
or embrace that attitude. I didn't have to own it. What I did have to own was the way that I managed myself. That I could choose to set my heart and my mind on Jesus and allow him to let me see this person in a new way. To allow him to come and define how I should see that person. Becoming aware, self-aware of your attitudes is a great start. And then the next is to consider who they are in Christ. Regardless of their own, the, the, uh, their own revelation or relationship with God, our own mandate as being alive in Christ is to embrace a cruciform view, which is to see as Jesus sees, to have the same attitude as Jesus, to have the same mind of as Christ. Remember, this, this doesn't mean that you have to trust or do life with them in a way that's unwise. There's, there's wisdom in the way we do relationships. For an example, an unhealthy person shouldn't have a place of influence in your life. But we, as, but we are mandated as people who have found life in Christ to have the same attitude as Christ. And Paul said that the result of this is that the peace of God will come and it will guard our hearts and our minds. And that right now, right there sounds like the good news to me. Let's pray, shall we? Father, I just thank you for this great journey that we're on together. Father, I thank you for our community of believers that, that this is a safe place for us to learn to grow for us to develop our character, to step into our Christ-likeness, Father. And Father, even uh, at this period of time right now as I'm praying that, you know, there are some restrictions on how we can meet face-to-face, -face, I just thank you that, that we can still connect through other mediums, Lord, through technology. And Father, I just thank you that we can still practice learning and growing together and developing our character into our Christ-likeness, that we can... Uh, encourage each other to, to um, press on to explore this life in Christ, that together we are one body with many members on this amazing journey. And we just thank you for the Holy Spirit that's with us. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, in just a moment, Melody's going to lead us in some worship. And um, But before she does that, I'd just like to remind you, um, if you've got any questions, would you like to more, learn more about being part on, uh, being on a journey with Jesus? Uh, maybe you'd like to be involved in our connect groups who are meeting um, online at the moment as well. Send an email to office at liberty.family. That's office at liberty.family. And we would love to get in contact with you. God bless you on your journey with God and with others. Thank you, Melody.